Okay, everybody. This is uh, Guru and the Wiz here. Uh, wrapping up, which I can't believe I'm saying this, the first half of 2020. <laughs> I'm just trying to process that. Uh, Wiz, it's a Tuesday. It's the 30th of June. I cannot believe we're here. Uh, how are you doing today? And uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, doing, 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 doing pretty good. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, we started doing these things, what, back in uh, March, I think, and uh, tomorrow will be uh, July 1st, and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to see, I've been saying all along, I think the best uh, option for football is basketball and, and baseball, giving it a go, but, uh, man, this seems like this is uh, becoming extremely, extremely difficult Uh especially for baseball uh, where it seems like, uh, you know, it, it got ugly between the players association and the owners and, and now players are having different views, you know, players opting out, uh, players in basketball testing positive has, you know, deciding not to play as well. I mean, so hopefully we'll be able to see the conclusion of the NBA season and the start of the baseball season. And, uh, but, uh, I'm a little dubious about baseball. I, I just, I, I don't know, really. Yeah, and, and I think to your point, it, it, it's very complicated. And I know tomorrow, uh, I guess, um, you know, preseason workouts are going to begin in, in the stadiums. Uh, you know, I can certainly understand players opting out, you know, especially if they have loved ones that they're concerned about and per- personal liability is, is certainly taken into consideration. So, you know, look, these are... Every day we go by, we've said it multiple times, historic times, you know, uncharted waters, uh, you know, everybody trying to figure out a process. We've seen some sports try to attempt to come back. I know uh, women's soccer started in a bubble this weekend in Utah. Um, You know, we've seen the PGA uh, attempt to get back on its feet, which it has so far, even though there has been some positive tests uh, and and they've made some policy changes around that. And, you know, football is a complicated one. Guys in the huddle. Uh, locker rooms, team meetings. There's just so many complexities around this. So, you know, to your point, yeah, let's see. Let's see what happens. We still got some time. I think at this point in time, the NFL is still looking to embark on their preseason. Uh, I guess at the July 28th is the last thing I heard uh, that that preseason's open. And uh, you know, we're still going to be on a course uh, to to uh, you know to to give us. Uh, give everyone out there summaries on each and every NFL team. We've started that and we're going to continue doing that today. And, uh, you know, today's, today's episode, uh, and this current episode is about the Dallas Cowboys, which, uh, we, 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 you know, Dak Prescott, I'm tired of talking about that contract situation. Uh, this is, uh, this is a team that certainly has a, a, a tremendous amount of offensive weapons and come into the season probably as the, the favorite in the Eastern Conference. And I know last year, Brett, you felt really, really strong about Dak Prescott and, and what a performer he would be in the fantasy world. And he certainly lived up to that billing. How are you thinking about that coming into this season? Yeah, I, I felt uh, Dak Prescott was a top five guy, would be a top five quarterback uh, in terms of fantasy. And he was last year. And and I've, I haven't seen anything that would change my mind. Uh, if only uh, anything, uh, I only feel stronger about that conviction. Um, you know, I think when it comes to Dak Prescott in, in regards to where you draft him in fantasy, I think it's clear that he's probably not perceived to be one of the top two guys. That's uh, Mahomes and Jackson. 
but certainly he is among that group of that next year. Um, he certainly, I, I know we made that he could be leading the brigade of that next year, which I guess would be Dak Prescott, um, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. Um, I know there's some, you know, a lot of talk about Kyler Murray, you know, now that Hopkins is there, but certainly Dak is in my mind in that next tier. Um, and if somebody wanted to make an argument that he's number three right after those two guys, I really couldn't dispute that. Where, where do you see Dak um, in snake drafts? Would you agree that he's in that next group? Would you say he would be, you know, uh, the, you know, a case to be made that he would be the third quarterback going off the board? So I guess in snake drafts, you know, is he in that top five? Where do you have him ranked just about? And uh, and in auction drafts, what kind of money do you think uh, Dak is worth to be spent? So I think if we look historically, right, Dak has been an undervalued player from a, from a fantasy perspective, right? And I think um, – Last year probably illuminated people a little bit more, you know, seeing the offensive performance of this team. I think they led the NFL or maybe second in the NFL in yards per completion. They led the NFL in yards per game on offense. And I think they might even been maybe second in scoring. So, so it's very hard to overlook that things. And this is an offense that's probably gotten a little bit more explosive with the addition of uh, C.D. Lamb on this team. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I personally think he should be in that top five discussion. Uh, so, you know, in, 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 a, in a roto draft, I don't think he should be going in the very late rounds at all. And in an auction draft, I think, he, you know, in a $200 league, I think he probably demands somewhere, you know, somewhere between that kind of, yeah, twelve to you know seventeen, eighteen dollar number, maybe pushing twenty in that in that sort of league. I just think this is too explosive an offense to ignore, and he's the leader of the pack. It's it's a it's an offense where you know it's an interesting draft strategy. I think a lot of people can employ because they have a really really good backup quarterback this year, and in, in Andy Dalton. So if you wanted to go into a draft and it's a two quarterback league, and you come out of there with with Prescott and Dalton and and deal with the bye week issues, I, I could certainly understand a strategy like that. But no, I, I, I like Doc Deck Prescott to be a top five quarterback this year. So again, going back to the previous point you just made, um, if you're in a league where, you know, you only have to start one quarterback and you're, you're not in the, one of these super flex leagues, you know, that's, you know, where you could start two quarterbacks. So you're, you're in a 12 team league where you only have one quarterback that you have to start every week and you're basically carrying two on your roster. I guess the question for you and for the, those people that do end up drafting Dak Prescott is with your second quarterback, What's more appealing to you? Is it grabbing Andy Dalton, knowing that you're going to start Dak Prescott every week, and if something were to happen, unfortunately, to Dak Prescott, you'd have Andy Dalton, or a quarterback that's going to be somewhere in that 13 to 20 range, a Jared Goff, a Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, one of uh, one of Philip Rivers, you know, one of those guys. So if you have Dak, if you if you're in a draft where you have Dak, Dak Prescott and you only need to start one quarterback, would you prefer Dalton as your backup, or would you prefer? One of those guys I just mentioned. I prefer Dalton because he costs less and probably would have the same amount of value as any of those players, maybe more in this offense. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, 
I, I don't think that's a bad strategy. I think, uh, I think you know, to, to get Dalton uh, knowing that he, he would have value in that offense as a backup guy and, you know, gonna, you're going to get him for the minimum, whatever your league uh, cost. And if you're in a snake draft, you'll be able to get him in, you know, your, your, your last pick, actually, you could probably take a defense and a kicker before somebody would take Dalton, I would imagine, uh, a backup quarterback. So I, I would, I would agree with that. And I think that's an interesting uh, theory and strategy for those people that do end up with, uh, Dak Prescott. Um, so moving on add, to uh, running back. I just want to add one more yep. thing there, uh, Wiz. So, you know, the interesting thing is obviously Mike McCarthy is now the coach. Jason Garrett's moved on to be offensive coordinator with the Giants. So I'm not that worried about it because I think this is a very veteran um, quarterback, uh, sorry, coach who knows the system. It'll be a slightly different, obviously, for, for, for Prescott, it'll be slightly different. The one good thing that he has is that McCarthy did maintain Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator. So this may be a little bit more of a seamless transition in terms of a new coach who's a veteran coach coming into a new system. Would you agree with that, especially given that he retained Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator? Yeah, I think, you know, I think McCarthy wants to eventually implement his some of his schemes and systems and ideas and theories on, on offensive football, uh, especially in the passing game. But having Kellen Moore there and Dak Prescott having that nucleus uh, that he's had, um, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, as the season starts, you know, it's going to be – He's going to keep it familiar with what Dak knows, and then as the season goes on, they'll, they'll, they're going to make some slight changes and variations to the offense. So certainly, um, certainly, it's certainly not as um, as, as as different, you know, as what's going on with Carolina, where you have a new coordinator, a new coach, a new quarterback, all coming in there, different, you know, different systems. So I I, I agree with that, and I think. Uh, you know, Dak should be an elite uh, quarterback fantasy performer this year. Um, so moving on to um, running back, I don't think there's really a lot that needs to be said about Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you know, after if you you know besides Christian McCaffrey, I think a case could be you know that, that he's the next quarterback off the board, uh, next running back off the board. Certainly in that you know group with Kamara and Saquon Barkley. Um, I think Pollard is, is interesting. Uh, do you view the kind of Pollard Elliott situation similar to Dalton Prescott, where if you get Elliott, it's not like, oh, we're not quite sure who the backup would be and what they would do. I mean, Pollard has really really strong abilities as well and if he became the full-time guy there would be a running back one status for sure so what's the thinking about Elliot Pollard and the entire running back situation there for the Cowboys yeah, and, and we've we've talked handcuffs before and this is one of those situations where this handcuff has standalone value and tremendous value if, if Zeke were to go down, number one. And, and secondly, I think another troubling situation, you know, I know there's some 
hullabaloo once again. I didn't read the article, but I, but I've heard about it. You know, some some stuff going on with Zeke. He's had some issues in the past. It's not something that you could ignore. And when once a player gets on the radar of the commissioner's office, I think it's something that you have to watch out for. So I think Zeke carries a little bit more risk for uh, you know some some type of uh, transgression um, that you have to keep in the back of your mind. But I love Pollard as a backup. I think he has standalone value, like I said. I mean, he, he did have almost 600 yards from scrimmage. He can catch the ball. He averaged over five yards a carry. So, yeah, if I'm an owner of Zeke Elliott this year, I'm going to make damn sure that I have a guy like uh, uh, Tony Pollard backing him up. So is that going to be a type of situation where you would be looking to draft Pollard even if you did not have Elliott? I mean, in a situation where you're looking at backups, you're looking at maybe an occasional flex starter. Is Pollard a guy interesting to you, irrespective of whether you have Elliott or not, or in your mind, you you know, is he more for the owner that has Elliott? I would consider him a top 40, 45 back. That's what, that's what I would call it. So, so the answer to your question, yes. And I think he should be drafted in most leagues and in deeper leagues, there's absolutely no question. So if you're in a league where the roster size is, you know, say somewhere between 18 and 20 players, he's a slam dunk to be on a roster. Uh, you know, if it's, if it's one of these rosters where you're only running with 13 or 15, you know, I could see him, you know, not being on there, but uh, you know, again, I would suggest for the, for the Elliott owner to make sure they have uh, an opportunity to grab that player. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, I think, like, uh, you know, aside from, like, Kareem Hunt and maybe Alexander Madison and Philip Lindsay and whatever, whoever is going to be the 1A guy, and in, you know, for the Colts, I think Pollard's right there as, as far as, like, backups and, uh, you know, as a guy who would, if he got the opportunity, would would definitely um, do some some you know he could be a season winner for you if you ended up with uh, Pollard and something would happen to Elliott. So I I definitely agree with that. Uh, moving on to the wide receivers, a lot to like about the wide receiver core for the Cowboys. Um, you know Amari Cooper, um, assuming he could just stay on the field, he just seems like. The, at some point, he's always listed as questionable, and, and there were games last year where he, he he didn't play all the downs, and he had to come out. And um, but assuming that Amari Cooper he stay also stays on the field, um, he's 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 an excellent wide receiver, and and Michael Gallup. Um, has I, I don't know if you would you know I guess you'll tell me what you think I, I don't know if you would call that like a one in one eighty situation right now in Dallas but Michael Gallup certainly moved up um, and he's not an afterthought he is himself uh, a solid wide receiver who's capable of of, of putting up big numbers on any game and then. They drafted C.D. Lamb, who is so polished and so good, um, and uh, it, that, that's that's a dynamic uh, trio running around out there for the Cowboys, which is you know probably you know even more reason to to love Dak now that they got C.D. Lamb. So let's have at it. Break down those three wide receivers. You know, is Cooper a top ten guy? Is Gallup? Like all, you know, one one A to to his to Amari Cooper and uh, and uh, and and how do you see CD Lamb fitting in as well? So, um, you know, it's really interesting. I, I took a close look at this. I, I remember when the Cowboys um, got 
Cooper in the trade with the Raiders. And when, it was, when, when Cooper was with the Raiders, you know, remember the field that he was playing on. I mean, it was half a baseball diamond for most of the year. Uh, I found it very interesting when I looked at his break, breakdown from when he's at home and when he's away the last two years. Oh, my God, this guy is a completely different player when he's playing on carpet. And I think that's the same with a lot of players, but it was so, so, so distinct in terms of his performance when he was playing at home as a cowboy and when he was playing on the road, it was like night and day. So I think that's one thing to, to, to keep in mind, that, that this is a player that really excels when he's at home. So, you know, in, in, a, in a fantasy matchup story, when, when this guy's playing in the slop or on, on, on uh, natural surfaces, you know, he may struggle a little bit more for whatever reason. So, but yeah, I think Cooper's a, a fringe, fringe top 10 receiver. I think he's right about there. Uh, and as you mentioned, you know, I think Gallup has definitely entered into the equation of, of maybe being like, that 1A type of guy that we've seen in, on a couple of other teams, you know, the Rams come to mind, that sort of thing where you can't, you, you struggle to distinguish between Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, for example. So, so yeah, he's, you know, he's a guy who reached over 1,000 yards for the first time in his career last year. CeeDee Lamb, you know, as you mentioned, he'll take the spot, um, you know, he'll take Randall Cobb's spot as the third receiver. This team plays three wide receiver sets most of the time, at least they did last year. I don't think that changes a hell of a lot under McCarthy. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about this receiving core. Um, yeah, it's hard not to like them. And I think, you know, you could, you could count Michael Gallup as probably a guy that will probably slot in between number 20 and number 30 at the wide receiver, uh, at the wide receiver position. And, you know, in these dynasty leagues, you know, a guy like, like um, CeeDee Lamb is going to have a lot of appeal for sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think I think the Cowboys offense will look a little different, but I don't think they're going to look um they're going to they're going to skip a beat at all. I think they're going to they're going to be even more potent um and uh you know, he won't for the first time since his retirement and leaving football and then coming back and playing again, they'll have a new tight end. Jason Witten will not be there. And um, Blake Jarwin is one of these guys amongst, uh, among like, you know, 10. Uh, it seems like an endless amount of these young tight ends who are now going to get the opportunity to play. Um, so what's your thoughts on, on Blake Jarwin? Uh, is he a, um, a good bye week tight end. Can you see him as being, you know, somewhere between 12 and 14, where some people may go with him as the number one thing and that he's going to get all the stuff that, that, uh, that Witten got. What's, uh, what's the, what's the, what's the thought process on Blake Jarwin? Yeah. So look, tight end has always been a big, whether it was Tony Romo or, or, or Prescott, it was always a great security blanket in this offense. So someone's going to have to catch the ball. And remember, there's catches that are going to have to go around. Randall Cobb caught a lot of balls for this team last year. So I think, you know, that third option, if you will, you know, some weeks it's going to be a C.D. Lamb. You know, C.D. Lamb will be a second option some weeks. Um, but tight end will still be a critical part of this um this offense. So Jarwin's going to get the first shot. Uh, that kid Dalton Schultz, who they drafted a couple of years ago, is, is on this roster as well. And, and another guy who's been on about five or six teams already last year is with the Chiefs is that big galoot uh, Blake Bell is on this roster too. I, I you know, look, I, somebody's going to have to catch the ball at tight end. You can expect 
somewhere between you know 35 and 45 catches from the position. So I, I think for me, I'd be more comfortable as being a, a, a fill-in rather than a guy that you want to lean on. But you know, someone like I said is going to have to make some headway in that race in, in, in at the tight end position for the Cowboys. But I wouldn't expect um, Jason Witten like numbers at least this year. Right, and uh, yeah, I agree with that. He's probably uh, probably kind of like a uh, a bye week uh, tight end, but he's certainly keep an uh, you know a guy to keep your eye on because you know, there were there are a lot of catches that um, last year gone, and uh, somebody's going to catch those balls. And uh, you know, CD Lamb, the recipient, Blake Jarwin's going to you know definitely be part of that. So certainly an interesting guy to keep uh, an eye on, and another guy to keep. Uh, your eye on as far as your concern is Legatron. Greg Zerline going over to the Cowboys. You love that guy. And uh, what uh, what's your uh, outlook for uh, Zerline on the Cowboys this year? I'm going to say I think you can draft Greg Zerline playing in a dome, which he's not done before, on this offense. I think you could peg him. You can peg him as the number one kicker in fantasy football going this year, and I would not have a problem with that. Yeah, I, he's certainly in that. He's certainly uh, in in that you know in that in that grouping of, of guys. I mean, if somebody you know wanted to make a strong case why they you know have Zerline as the number one kicker this year, I, I couldn't I couldn't really dispute that. I mean, uh, you know, the conditions are good. He's got a big time leg. The offense is certainly good. So uh, there's a lot to like. And uh, what about their defense? Um, you know, this is a team that potentially could have the lead, and that's when their defense really steps it up. Um, they did draft two players that could make a, a fantasy impact on defense, Trayvon Diggs, Stefan Diggs' is, is brother, and um, – and, uh, and Neville Gallimore, big Canada from uh, from Oklahoma. Uh, do you think the Cowboys could be one of these teams where, you know, the defense, talent-wise, on paper is okay, but their offense is so good that they could be in a bunch of games where they have a pretty decent lead and they can start rolling up interceptions and sacks? What's uh, some final closing thoughts here on the Cowboys' defense? So, so they've done a number of their interesting things on defense. So Mike Nolan, who I've always had a lot of respect for as a defensive coordinator will be the defensive coordinator this year so I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with that um, we know Leighton Vander Esch has come on as a defensive player Jalen Smith has stayed healthy um, Gerald McCoy's on this roster now Olden Smith hasn't played in the league in how many years four or five years with all the issues he's yeah. had off the field he's going to be on this roster supposedly has turned things around. I would say it's a very interesting defense, a defense that probably does not get drafted as a top 12 to 13, 14, 15 defense, but could be one of those good bi-week filler defenses that may even have some upside potential. How about that? Yeah, fair, fair, fair enough. I couldn't uh, really couldn't disagree with any of that, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. The, the Cowboys certainly have their share of character guys, and uh, 
you know, whether they all make it through the season is is an, is another uh, you know thing that you have to consider uh, before you uh, you know enter these fantasy leagues. So that's it. That's it. that's about it for me and the Cowboys. Any other thoughts? So we're we're on to Denver. We are on to Denver, and our next podcast, Guru and Wiz talk fantasy football. Make sure you subscribe to it and listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Thanks, everyone, and Wiz. Thank you. Got it.